I have Abraham Lincoln's dick. So, hello, pod people, and welcome back to another episode of the Big Bad Nonsense Podcast. How are things going? I am Sock, and I'm here today with my ever-loyal, I guess, co-host, Biscuit. Hey, 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 what, what, what do you call a car that's driven by a frog? What? A hop rod. That was terrible. Okay, well, I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Big Bad Nonsense. That's your intro? Come on, man. We can do better than that. But, but you see, because normally it's hot rod, but I put a... I, see, I, what I did was a switcheroo, if you will. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I spent a month on that. You spent a month and your time was wasted, good sir. Never mind, it's good to be back with all of you again. Uh, it's great to know that you're listening, and we are sorry, people, that it has been so long since we have gotten anything out to you. Yeah, you can blame him. He already basically took that bullet, so I'm gonna do it too. Yeah, it's it's all my fault. It's all my fault. Big- Exclusively. Exclusively. It is exclusively my fault. I've been too busy picking my nose or whatever it is that people do here in the fine country of Slovakia. So, ladies and gentlemen, pod people, if you want to blame me, go right ahead and do it. Not only allowed, but encouraged. (laughs) Please do feel free to take to Twitter. Add Big Bad Nonsense. Email us, bigbadnonsense at gmail.com. Tell us how disappointed you are in the fact that it has been over a month since we've had gotten an episode out. But we're going to try and make it up for you, aren't we, Biscuit? I certainly hope so. That's the intent. Let's start off with a quick mailbag here. And uh, this mail that we received is uh, is actually came through Twitter. And uh, it's from uh, Biscuit in America who wonders if it's possible to get through a day without puking on his own genitals. <laughs> okay. uh, you, you threw me right from the start there. We don't have any mailbag today. No one has sent us any emails, so uh, I just thought I would wing it. Uh, but that sort of introduces our topic today, Biscuit, because this is a topic that you actually... <laughs> you get on genitals introduces our topic. Boy, am I excited. Okay. Very, very, very indirectly, of course. Very indirectly. Biscuit, this is actually a topic that you requested uh, a while ago, and uh, for some reason we never got around to discussing on the podcast, because... Well, I don't know. Maybe it's I'm an asshole. Maybe it's my fault. Uh, I don't know. But uh, today I would thought we would uh, talk about the amazing tale of uh, Gregor McGregor of the clan McGregor. Oh, fantastic. I, for a minute, I didn't know what you're even referencing. But yeah, <laughs> I did. I did want this one a while ago. <laughs> oh, let's start it off. Pod people, here we go. So Gregor McGregor. Biscuit, this is a topic that you encouraged us to uh, to tackle, and why don't you tell our fine listeners why exactly it is that you wanted us to tackle it? This guy was, like, one of the original grifters that you can't even really get mad at him. You just kind of look back at it, and you're like, you know what? That's fucking hilarious. Um, in short, basically what he did was he sold people 
parts of land that did not exist and he was so committed to the bit he would even like put them on a boat and be like oh yeah it's that way just go you'll see it bye fuckers and he's just fantastic it is it really is it's a story for the ages and it's it's almost amazing how much he was able to get away with because he basically just invented a country. Yes, he in- invented an entire body of land out in the middle of the ocean. In the middle of nowhere, essentially, and then sent people there. <laughs> I mean, that if you're going to do it, that is the way to do it. Well, I mean, like that that's just taking it to an extreme. Like, it's one thing to invent a country. It's one thing to say, hey, do you want to go live there? And then send people over to actually do it. Yeah, you got to figure there were some of them that were kind of smelling shit, but when he's, like, loading them onto a boat, they're like, well, I mean, he wouldn't go this far and basically send us to our fucking death if he was lying, so, okay. Well, let's give the listeners a little bit of background here for people who haven't heard of uh, Gregor McGregor before. Biscuit, are you fully filled in on the history, or uh, do you want me to just uh, give the background myself? I I think that's more your wheelhouse than mine. Yeah, I'm usually the one responsible for the intelligent research. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> okay, I, I, it's, you know. No, seriously, what does it mean? I don't get it. Oh, oh, uh, it it, it means you you you're you're all good, man. <laughs> okay, so for those of you who've never heard of Gregor McGregor before. It starts back in the early 1800s, and things are going poorly around the world for a lot of different countries, uh, in particular Spain, who, if you know anything about history, you know that Spain had a lot of colonies in South America and Central America at the time, and basically the Americas, like Spain owned half the world uh, at the time. Several of these territories uh, ended up in open revolt. Uh, they said they'd had enough of, uh, of Spanish rule. And uh, one of the people who challenged this, one of the generals in the war against Spain, was uh, Simon de Bolivar, uh, a name which I'm sure most people have heard. I, I'm sure you've heard of it, Biscuit. I mean, basically anybody in America that went through the introductory class of Spanish that they were forced to, um, that came up at some point in it. Yeah, that probably not many of us can really hash out much about them, but the name will ring a bell to just about anybody, I would think. For sure, right? And even now today, Bolivar is like a pretty big figure. I mean, like he's still revered in in Venezuela, uh, in, uh, in Colombia, in a bunch of other places. I mean, even Bolivia is named after him, right? So it's, it's a name that's pretty familiar in history. Yeah, it's, it's one that, again, you pretty much had to learn it, whether you wanted to or not, growing up here at least. There we go, right? Well, he's not the main subject of what we're talking about. What we're going to talk about is one of the generals in uh, Bolivar's army. So Gregor McGregor, uh, now obviously many people are saying, well, that's not a Spanish name, and well, you'd be very intelligent. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> it's not a good name either. <laughs> I, it is a bit bizarre that, you know, his surname is just his first name with Mac in front of it. Steve Steve. S- Steve Steve, basically, yeah. Yeah. Like, 
I'm I'm gonna change my name to Sock Von Sock. I that that actually be a pretty good name. That that would be a cool name. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am now Sock Von Sock. <laughs> and this is Biscuit Von Shit Jokes. Yeah. Anyway, Gregor McGregor was a Scotsman. He joined the Royal Navy, served in the Royal Navy for a bit, and then after that, he became sort of a soldier of fortune and went off to serve under Simon de Bolivar in South America, where he became a really renowned uh, general assisting in the war against Spain. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I was I was hoping you had something to add about that, but never mind. Uh, he was. Well, sur- I don't do any of the smart guy <laughs> research, Mister. I regret saying that now because now I'm just gonna say all these different things. It'll just be met with silence. Uh, yeah, and I'm just gonna be like Cox. <laughs> Gregor McGregor rose to the rank of general, some kind of general. I, I I'm not sure exactly how their military ranks work. Again, we're not history history experts on this show, but uh, he now this is one of the things that I thought was really bizarre because if you read his early history, like Biscuit has already mentioned, uh, like the the reason we're talking about him is that he invented a country and sent people to settle it. Like he basically ran one of the original I I want to say Ponzi scheme, but it's not really a Ponzi scheme. I guess it is in the way he made money off of it, but he he ran a huge scam. Like basically, it was like Bitcoin the country. Yeah, or even like it, it brings to mind like these Nigerian email scams, where you get the email and it's like, oh, I'm a Nigerian princess and yeah. like uh, I need to sell this land and you can get money from me selling this land or whatever. Just open this bank account and insert one thousand dollars or something. Just give me your social and your routing number and you'll be rich because if you've read this far, you're a dipshit. Yeah, exactly, right? So it, it it brings to mind that sort of thing. So this guy is one of those, like, original scammers, and, like, he took it to a next level. But to read his early history, he seems like a very, very respectable guy, and then you can find the point in his life where everything sort of went downhill. Because he's assisting Bolivar running around South America and attacking the Spanish, conquering all these things. One of his colleagues actually declared him to be like the modern Hannibal Barca, like the Hannibal of his age, basically, because he was such a brilliant tactician. Cox. <laughs> oh, this is going to turn into a one-man show. Uh... <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to apply for the position of co-host of Big Bad Nonsense, please email me at bigbadnonsense at gmail.com. How can I done hear you when Oz can't seize you? <laughs> anyway, so Gregor McGregor, hailed as like uh, the Hannibal of his age, does all this military conquest. He is in high esteem with Bolivar. Now, later in the war, like maybe around like 1816 or 1817, he starts getting involved in all these other sort of campaigns. Is that the word in military military campaigns? Typically, yeah, if it's any kind of coordinated attack on an area. There we go, right? So he gets involved in all these sort of things where he starts uh, looking for volunteers 
or, or like raising his own armies basically to go and attack these various sort of places all around like um, Florida and uh, uh, Portobello and all these different places all around in South America. Like I'm not even really sure about the geography of all these places. But one, one incident I thought was pretty funny is that uh, he promised like a bunch of mostly Irish volunteers, a hundred silver dollars if they joined up in his uh, fancy legion to go and attack somewhere. And he basically never paid them. Hey, hey, just can you little fuck him up? with that bomb in me potato. <laughs> uh, he had to deal with a whole lot of mutiny Fucking over that one. Fucking cunt. <laughs> Your impression of an Irishman is spot on. Not at all racist. <laughs> Uh, a little bit of racism, racism against the Irish is okay, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you say it as a joke, but honestly, in society, it's like the only group that you can do that and nobody gets pissed off. You're just like, oh, no, I just fucked me potato, now I'm going to go beat my fucking wife, you can't. And people are like, oh, he's doing Irish. Ladies and gentlemen of Ireland, uh... <laughs> If you would like to complain, please send us a tweet at Big Bad Nonsense on Twitter. Uh, please carve your message into a potato. <laughs> How? Which countries have we pissed off so far? We pissed off the Swedes, I'm sure. I, I don't know. My my Irish thing's very one dimensional here, though. Yeah, I did. I'm just like ah, potatoes. <laughs> uh, is, is there anything else you could say? call them drunks but I mean, that, that's about it yeah that's pretty cliche and potatoes well, isn't potatoes I mean <laughs> it's not like I'm doing anything groundbreaking here okay well these poor unfortunate Irishmen who volunteered were promised about a hundred silver dollars uh, he never paid them uh, or eventually he did and he paid them only about twenty dollars uh, this this is where things start going downhill, where, you know, he's borrowing money to raise these units and stuff like that, and he's not paying people or he's squandering the money. On on what? I don't know. I don't know what he's using the money for. Wait a minute. 20, is that more or less than 100? Hi. <laughs> you see, it's more. Boy, my Scott fucking sucks. Yeah, he does, you fucking cunt. <laughs> Oh, where are we going with this? <laughs> uh, this this thing never had a chance. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. One incident, and Biscuit, I got to tell you about this one. This is particularly funny. Uh, he had invaded some port area with some of his troops, and uh, he had neglected to properly set up defenses or a warning system or something like that. And he and his group of soldiers were surprised uh, by the enemy, uh, they were doing drills uh, when they started being fired upon, and Gregor McGregor was in his bedroom. <laughs> wow, this drill's really realistic. <laughs> Gregor McGregor was in his bedroom, and he heard the shots, and his immediate reaction was to pick up his bed and throw it through the window. <laughs> it gets better, it gets better, because his window overlooked the sea. So he threw his bed through the window and then jumped out the window after his bed <laughs> and got on his bed and floated out to a boat that was waiting for him. To, to have... 
I mean, to have that in place is one thing, but for it to actually work? Well, I think I think it was all a matter of chance. Like, the boat was whatever boat had taken them to this place where they had invaded. And uh, the bed, well, that was just him saving his own ass. Like, he was like, oh, the boat's still there. I'll throw the bed out the window and get to the boat. Well, meanwhile, his troops are being fired upon. I don't think that guy really gives a fuck about this. <laughs> They probably surrendered very quickly. How exhausting going through day-to-day life must be that if you're startled out of bed, your first reaction is to throw it out the fucking window. Well, yes. Like, that is a dude that is on edge. It is. It is. And this is, like, a little bit after he sort of started going downhill. Like, Like we said, like, he was a brilliant general, hailed as the Hannibal of his time. And then, you know, not long after that, like a couple years later, he's throwing his bed out the window and paddling to safety on a boat, leaving his troops to get shot. I mean, that would kind of bring down how much the troops look up to you, I would think, yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, like, he wasn't paying people, and they're all on the point of mutiny anyway, so. That too. So the relationship's a little frayed. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, so he paddles out to this boat on his bed <laughs> and uh, he's picked up by officers on the uh, on the boat that was there in the harbor and uh, that's, a, that's a good name for a boat <laughs> the boat was called the hero actually oh well fucking ruin that one for me okay <laughs> basically he books it out of there and whatever's left of his quick troops- everybody Get on the potato and get after him. <laughs> whatever, whatever troops he has left live at the at the fort he had, like they had no choice but to surrender. Well, yeah, it sounds like I'm assuming if they weren't getting paid, they weren't exactly decked out in the best arms either. Yes, that's the problem too. Is that most of them didn't even have like weapons or equipment or anything they needed, basically, because whatever <laughs> money was being borrowed to recruit these troops, like Gregor McGregor was just wasting it somewhere so how the fuck could he see any outcome other than this i mean if his army a they don't want to fight for him anyway and b even if they did they kind of can't mm-hmm. yeah i i i, I don't that's know questionable i i don't know and this is from the hannibal of his age i'm gonna say that was speaking largely to prior years yes exactly right <laughs> Hey, it's Biscuit, a.k.a. Lil Beasy When I Rap Battle. Wanted to thank you again for listening to us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, wherever you are. Please don't forget to subscribe to us as well and leave a good review. Get us up there. Get more people listening. And on that, please tell somebody you know, because you're a smart person, right? If you think it's good, then maybe they will too. And if not... Cut them out of your life. This is around 1817, 1819, where all this is happening. Basically, this is after he's done most of his major campaigns with Bolivar, and now he's just sort of going around and trying to capture various things like places in Florida or other places in South America, and he's doing it, and he's wasting all this money trying to raise these armies and failing miserably. Uh, It got to the point where he was mucking so many things up that uh, uh, Simon de Bolivar, like, 
said, I've had enough of you. You're, you're an idiot. Like he basically said, don't <laughs> ever come near me again. Well, I, I would say when, like the last time I saw you, you were fucking on a bed boat. <laughs> well, B- Bolivar was never around for that. This is all stuff that happened like after yeah. he sort of went off on his own. I realized that, but I opened my mouth and realized I didn't have a comment, so <laughs> I had to put something there. Anyway, that this is basically around the end of his military career in uh, South America, because he a- after he does all this successful stuff with Bolivar, he goes off and he has these failed battles, uh, and he throws his bed through a window, and then that's basically it for him as, as far as his... Um, is his military career. That's a that's a tough one to come back from. It is. It really is. Although he was able to retire as a general, but we'll get to that later. The big scam is what comes now. So he's finished his military career. He mucked up whatever reputation he had as a brilliant general. Uh, he goes back to England. And what happened between the end of his military career and going back to the United Kingdom or Britain or whatever it was called at the time? Jeez, we've. <laughs> I really hope people don't use this for any sort of geography or history lessons. Somebody's trying to plot this out on a map and they just like threw their hands up in disgust. <laughs> he went back to the British Isles. Let's use that. And uh, he basically declared that he was the Kazik of Poye, or Poyes, or Poyais. I don't know how to pronounce this. Well, it's not fucking real, so however you want. Yeah, pretty much. Kazik being apparently some sort of Native American word meaning chief in the area that he had chosen, basically similar to something like a prince, I guess, or king, if you want. And Poye being whatever name he gave to this place, I guess you could say. The Native Americans, they are famous for their islands in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. From what I read, it's not even really an island. Like, it's it's actually like a place, just not a place. That was a terrible description. Like, <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay, listeners. You know those guitars that are like double guitars? <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Hold it together, Sock. What I'm trying to say is the territory he was pimping uh, existed. Like, there there was physical land there. But this nation he inve- invented, well, he invented it. I think the last one was better. Yeah, all right. But how many listeners have we <laughs> lost in this? Fu- okay, <laughs> here's what happened. Let me Let me break it down historically. Let's do it that way. So... In that area, the British made some deal with a lot of the native Central Americans and basically said, you guys are kings in this area and we will support you. And the only reason they were doing that was to stop Spanish expansion. So the Spanish wouldn't go there because they're like, okay, these guys are under British protection and these guys are the kings of that area, so we can't go there or otherwise we'll have to go to war with Britain. And uh, the British people just didn't really care. They just wanted to stop uh, Spanish expansion, and uh, they really had no interest in the area. So Gregor McGregor, I guess, went to a bunch of these guys, and he said, you know, 
sell me this land. Or he said that's what he did anyway. And he bought this land from these kings, quotation marks, air quotes, that uh, that now became his, and he declared himself the Kazika Poya. So he made himself basically the king of this place called Poya, which is like a piece of territory in Central America. I'm with you. That that was much better. That was much better. That's not going to confuse anyone. So he goes back to Britain, and he starts basically advertising and marketing this place as the place to be. That's just backing up a second here. Um, yeah. That's, that's such a white people thing to do, by the way, how we'll just, like, go to other areas for our own best interest. But, like, yeah, we'll totally protect you if you, like, say we're awesome here or whatever. Okay, bye. And then when they end up needing our help, we're like... <laughs> <laughs> that that would be history in a nutshell. Uh, that that's pretty much white people forever. Yes, pretty much, right? It's like what happened? An empire came and said they'd do stuff, then did something else. Yeah, I just asked Africa. About yeah, particularly the central parts. How awesome we are at keeping promises. Yes, pose your question to the entirety of Africa. Yes, we do not. Yeah, there's. Uh, Are I don't you even... mocking me, sir? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm totally agreeing with you. You're right. I mean, like, throughout the entirety of history, that's basically it. It's like, hey, we're on your side until we're not. That's. I just wanted to interject that and, you know, completely fuck up your story arc. So back to it, you go. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's worth mentioning, right? And It is. <laughs> it really is. I do believe, like, exactly. So anyway... I guess it kind of comes back on the white man in a way, the way Gregor McGregor scammed people. Yay! I I don't know. Although the people he ended up scamming were basically like older couples and people looking to build a new life, and most of them died, or many of them died, not most of them, but many of them. Yay! (laughs) Wait. Why does everything we tell you about have to be such a downer? Anyway. He goes back to Britain, and he's really trying to market this place hardcore. He's basically saying, hey, look, uh, I am the king of this new nation that's there. Uh, We're getting it off to a kickstart here. It's like, uh, join up, go and sail there, give us loans. He started taking out loans all over the place, right? And, of course, banks are buying this. And I, I'm sitting here thinking like this, there's no way they could have believed this, but banks are buying into it. They're like, oh, we'll post money to your government. Sure, it's backed by all the resources and riches of your country. Sure. What are they? We only know what you've told us. Yeah, it, it's not even just the 1800s. If you can look back as early or as recent, I should say, as the early 1900s. And banks used to be so fucking easy to scam because verifying things took so much longer that if they thought it was lucrative, you could just come in with this steaming pile of shit. And if you sold it right, they'd be like, okay, how much do you want? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you don't even have to go that far back in history. Think about all the big financial institutions or investment firms that invested with someone like Bernie Madoff or something like that. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. That that one's 
too recent for me to laugh at. It still pisses me off. But well, Diane, yeah, of you're, you're you're not wrong. But mm-hmm. anyway, fuck banks. Go on. Yes. Anyway, so everything everyone knows about this country of Poya or Poyes. I don't know how to pronounce it. Poyes. We'll penis. say penis. Yes, this country of penis uh, is basically what Gregor McGregor has told them. And Gregor McGregor has made it sound like an absolute paradise. It's gorgeous beauty. It's uh, lush, fertile lands. It's potential for raising animals, everything. Like, there is really no imagination spared on what is said about this country. (laughs) It's it's funny. I'm looking at... um while we're speaking some maps of where it allegedly was. And Mm -hmm. it's not that far off from Belize, which I'm supposed to be going to in a few months. So hopefully that one's there. Well, let's be honest. I mean, that area, like from Belize down all the way down to Venezuela, is tropical paradise. It is. You just, you want to stay in the touristy areas because as we alluded to earlier we kind of made the inner parts a little bit fucky but well yeah i i I digress white people anyway yes um but here's the thing i i it's hard to find pictures of the area that he was claiming was this country on the internet but i did find one and he he didn't lie about that. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. The only thing is, is that all? That's all that it has going for it. Yeah, looks nice, but when it, you it looks nice. Actually, right? what you need real life shit, then um, things get a little sour. Yes, like from what I've read about the area, like it looks nice, but even the most uh, prominent survivalist would be a little hesitant about, you know, trying to survive in that area. Yeah, um, just uh, um, kiss my own ass a little bit more about my traveling. Um, I went to Costa Rica a couple of years ago, and mm-hmm. I was on the Pacific side of that. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, everybody that's a resident there, they're like, you want to be on this side, the, you know, the eastern side, that is uh, much more difficult living like that. That's for you got to be hardcore to make it there. Yes, it's basically a roasting, uh, festering swamp, from what I've read. That that about do it, yeah. Like a swampy jungle of doom is the best way we can describe this territory. It's great for some certain crops, and that's about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, this area that he was marketing was great for nothing. It looked great, but that's it. It wasn't good for <laughs> food. It wasn't good for animals. Uh, there's just no way you could survive in that area. Uh, he claimed that there was uh, mountains of gold to be just dug up and jewels all over the place. None of this was true, of course. But these banks are issuing uh, credit or loans or debt against all this suppo- these supposed resources that 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 only he is saying are there. How can we say no to Gem Island? Exactly, right? <laughs> it's like there's a mountain of diamonds. Oh, well, okay. If you say there's oh, a mountain of diamonds. Duh. 
Actually, diamonds is probably one of the few things he didn't claim uh, was there. But, like, gold and jewels and, like, precious metals, he said it was all there. So, there there you go. That's, that's a bank back in that time. It was traded on the London Stock Exchange. Bonds <laughs> for this country were traded on the London st- Stock Exchange. Uh, I'll see you later. What? <laughs> Are you leaving? What's going on? <laughs> I was about to. Go ahead. <laughs> What's happening, Biscuit? What did I say? Is on the fucking stock market? Yes, on the London Stock Exchange. Government bonds over this fictional land were being traded on not just the London Stock Exchange, but on all kinds of things, like securities and all these different things. Like, it's 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 the same mystical voodoo economics that existed in, like, 2008 that caused the crash. Like, people trading something that has no value and nobody knows why it has value. Because some asshole that's good at making a pitch said it did. Exactly, exactly. I mean, you got fucking Billy Mays over here that's telling you how beautiful it is, and mm-hmm. I, I guess that does it. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. He starts getting pretty rich off of this, making quite a bit of money. For just $10 million, <laughs> you two can have part of Jam Mountain. <laughs> But that's not all. Call now and I'll double it. <laughs> Channeling your inner, inner Billy Mays over here. Rest in peace. <laughs> okay. So, he marketed this place so well that not only are banks scrambling to like give money and trade whatever over the promise of whatever wealth is over there, people start really saying, hey, well, you know, I'd kind of like to go and live there. And he didn't discourage them. Well, he's not really working their best interest. I don't know if you picked up on that. No, no, yeah. I would say that he's not hmm, the most ethical dealer on the planet as far as these scenes go. But he started recruiting mostly uh, Scottish people, maybe feeling, you know, he was a Scottish person that they would be more likely to trust him. But, of course, there's also the fact... What's that? Aye. He won't fuck us over. (laughs) Yeah, he really fucking can't. (laughs) I'm trying to decide which is worse, your Irishman or your Scotsman. Oh, the Scot one's way worse. (laughs) Of course, you know, he's recruiting people of, you know, very modest means and things like that, too. Like, these aren't rich people that he's recruiting... He's recruiting people who are looking for a new life. You know, people, uh, tradespeople, artisans, people like this who are like thinking, you know, I can go and help build this new society. Like they're under the impression that this country already exists to a certain amount. And they're like, oh, I'm going to be part of something that's just begun and I can help grow it. Yeah, you know, a lot of people... Moving internationally is a dream of theirs. It, it's one of mine, for Christ's sake. But <laughs> if you're looking to do it before even visiting the place first, that indicates that your current shit sucks. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're looking to do it just as a quality of life boost, typically you go check it out first before you pick up everything you have. But mm-hmm. for these people, I guess, picking up everything you have 
didn't take too long. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, they went. They went in rather large numbers. I think it was about seven boats in total that they sent uh, of people to this uh, supposed country. The, the best story uh, basically comes from the first boat that went there. They basically arrived to the area. And of course, now he's already told people about this place and he's published a book describing the territory. So they arrive based on their navigational equipment and uh, look around and they're like, this kind of doesn't really look exactly like what's been described to us. Kaboom and your savings are gone! (laughs) Well, kaboom because they fired the cannon to let the supposed port know that they had arrived. (laughs) Oh, shit! (laughs) Because keep in mind, like, despite everything, you know, he's claimed that there's already a settlement there. So they fire their cannon waiting (laughs) (laughs) waiting for the port authorities of Poyez to uh, to respond, and of course, no one does. Well, I mean, that'd be better than the alternative I was starting to picture, was, you know, a couple of random people that were settled there being like, who are these motherfuckers shooting at us? <laughs> but that's the thing. There's no one there, right? It's, it's, it's a myth. Because, yeah, because it's trash. It's There's a no vapor country. Be- yeah. Exactly. So they go to shore and uh, try to figure out what the heck is going on. And, of course, some of them are cluing in, hey, there's nothing here. Either either we're lost or everything we've been told isn't true. That, that's got to be a tough moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what they did find there, now this place, its real name is the, uh, is the Mosquito Coast. Which, that doesn't really sound that appealing, now does it? No, and uh, mosquitoes, of course, bring a lot of malaria. Welcome to Buttfuck Island. (laughs) A lot of them started dying of malaria. Whoops. Whoops. This was not a place to be, right? Like, it's called the Mosquito Coast because it's full of mosquitoes. And uh, mosquitoes bring malaria. It's full of disease. There's nothing there they can live off of. They can't put their animals anywhere. There's nothing for them to eat. There's no food to be had from the land. It's It looks pretty. They're screwed. It, it, you can't really do much with it looks pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. And, uh, of course, there's more boats on the way. And there ain't no way to tell them to turn around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hello once again, pod people. We're just going to take one final break here to remind you all that you can find us on Twitter at Big Bad Nonsense. Come and join in the conversation as nonsense happens every single day, and we can get through this together. If you like what we're doing and think a friend would enjoy being part of the nonsense, please share us with them as it helps out the show. What happened, uh, credit to the people around there, uh, from Honduras and Belize. So some of the people who had already landed, they went to look for help. For some reason, uh, what was, <laughs> I've, I've already forgotten, but there was some reason they couldn't get back on their boat and just turn around. Uh, something happened to the boat. I think it was destroyed 
in either a storm or something like that. I can't even find it in my screen right now. Something happened to the boat and they couldn't turn around. So they're stuck here in this country that doesn't exist. <laughs> they're dying of malaria. <laughs> well, at least we can go get back on the boat. What the fuck? <laughs> they have a problem. Okay? So they basically say... <laughs> Let's send some people out. They send some people out trying to find help along the coast and things like that. Eventually, word gets out that this is happening to these poor people who are stuck there. Aid from Belize and Honduras is sent. Uh, they manage to stop some of the later boats. Like They stop them in the ocean and say, basically, like, don't go here. You're just going to go and get malaria or some other tropical disease. You're... Even the boat commits suicide. Yeah, even the boats commit suicide. So... Like they're they're they 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 have to do a rescue operation now. All these people are coming to this brave new world, and now they have to be rescued. They have to be told to stop coming. And like, there's a couple hundred people, like at least a hundred and fifty people on some of these boats, right? So it's a lot of people who are coming off these boats, and seven of them total. So that's it's almost a thousand people, we'll say. I and mean, this guy just had no soul. Mm -hmm. whatsoever yes exactly so word about this starts getting out uh people are finding out that this country isn't exactly what it's said to be uh some people no, even not not quite <laughs> some people are even dying on the boat trip back to britain well malaria yeah exactly such. yeah and it's not like they had um top-notch medicine to begin with at that time, much less in an area that they couldn't even properly settle. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, exactly, right? So they turn the boats around. The word about Gregor McGregor is out. He takes off for France. <laughs> well, heard somebody <laughs> call my name. Yeah, book it, right? But here's the thing. He goes to France, and he immediately starts advertising Poyer, or Poyers, to French people. Penis. I said penis. Oh, you said penis. Yes, okay. Uh, he immediately starts advertising that... He, he starts pulling the same scheme again in a different country. Oh, yeah. If you're depraved enough to do it once, then you're just going to keep doing it until somebody shoots you. Well, basically, yeah, right? So people are already coming back from these first expeditions. After dying, half of them dying in malaria, another half dying on the trip back. He goes to France, and he starts trying to sell this new country to people in France. Now, luckily for the people of France, uh, the French government kind of got suspicious when a bunch of people were looking for permission to travel to a country that didn't exist. Cocks. <laughs> because I guess the French government is a little bit more adept at like investigating these things. Like, oh, you want to sail somewhere? You need a permit. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, sure. Give me a permit to sail to Poyez. Where? <laughs> so, the fuck is this? <laughs> so basically, he gets caught pretty quickly when it comes to the whole Parisian scheme. Really? It seems like the only difference was their government gave a fuck. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard to debunk. I mean, even even at this time, if somebody's like, yeah, um, I'm moving to Biscuit Island. People mm -hmm. are going to be like, 
That, that's not fucking real. Yeah, pretty much, right? So you just you wonder how many lives this previous government cost just out of incompetence or just being apathetic and not even bothering to look at this shit and save idiots from themselves. But anywho, someone should have said something like basically like, yeah. okay, <laughs> where is this place? Let us see it first. You know, something along those lines. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But, uh, he was caught in France. Uh, he went to prison for a little bit. He had two trials and he was acquitted somehow. The system works. Yeah, clearly it does. The, so he's acquitted in, in France, and he goes back to London. That doesn't seem like a great idea. And he still claims to be the Kazik of Poyez. <laughs> hey, guys, it's me, great Bob McBob. <laughs> he pulled this out to the bitter end, basically. He's still trying to, like, sell acres of land and stuff like that in this fictional place to return to the scene of the crime and just whip your sack out and be like no it's real and i'm still the boss there that that's almost impressive i mean that is balls yes it is right like he he milked it for all it was worth uh and he really did milk it until it was dry because by the end like of course nobody's buying into the scheme I just I don't get why he would go back to somewhere he already built when there's so many other options in the area. Well, here's the funny thing too. Like he must have been really convincing because some people who went on this expedition to to live in this fictional country came back and they were convinced that Gregor McGregor wasn't at fault. That he was just lied to by other people. That's so. I mean, it's kind of in a way like the he beats me because he loves me sort of syndrome, where you just no matter how obvious the culprit is. You well, just... in a way, like maybe you could even like look at him as like he's like sort of an early Donald Trump in the sense that like oh, it's not me, it's these other people or whatever. Fake countries. <laughs> Right, I have on this. I, I, not to bring modern politics into it, but like really, like you can see some of the parallels in a way. Like, and lots of politicians do this, right? Like, it's not, it's not me who's destroyed your country. It's those guys over there who have given us bad information or whatever, right? So, like, yeah, not, not to go to the obvious one that is so carelessly used to make points all the time, but I mean that's how Hitler got his clutch on everything back in his time was all these people had just gotten their ass kicked. Their country was decimated. And he said, it's not you. It's those fuckers. And so they said, Oh, okay, you're cool. Well, that's how the best schemer works, right? The best schemer turns around and says like, you know, I did everything right. It's like, uh, we were deceived by these other people. It's like, we had everything lined up to be successful and fantastic but yeah. we were deceived. So, you know, yeah. in some ways he must have been quite a good scammer. Not everyone fell for it, but some people still did defend him. Yeah, I mean, to be a successful scammer at some level, even if you are targeting idiots like Trump, like you mentioned, who is just going to the lowest common denominator because he knows he can 
give him the fucking dance, you still have to be able to spin the tale in a certain way that you connect with them as you're the victim or even more successfully in this case, we're the victim Mm. and it's always somebody else's fault. And that's how you get people to come back to the well, even after they found out the last time that it was full of piss. And let's not forget too, though, that he also scammed major financial institutions into issuing bonds and whatever financial thingies uh, to this fictional country. So he had some talent for doing this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, you got to, at some level, know how to manipulate people. And Mm -hmm. you don't have to be a genius to do that, but you need to be able to plot things out. For sure, for sure. Anyway, how do you think Gregor McGregor's time ended? I actually don't know how he died. I know how he should have, but... (laughs) He should have been tied to a bed and thrown out a window into the sea. Yes, and then (laughs) they'd have a bunch of Irishmen, like, jump out after and cannonball on top of him. But, yeah. They would have been like, Sir, you're saying there's a fucking country! How much? How much? Potatoes. <laughs> I am going to keep doing this until you fuckers think it's funny. Oh, boy. We are, we've lost all our subscribers in Ireland. <laughs> yep. Yep. Anyway, Gregor McGregor, I guess he eventually, like, he's already scammed, like, several thousand pounds of money all over the place. Like, he's had people issue loans. Like, there's no way he's ever going to pay these things back. But, of course, once bitten, twice shy, people are becoming a little bit wise to the Kazik of Poyez and know that he's not everything he should be. He just can't run the scam anymore. Eventually... He writes to a former colleague in Venezuela and uh, basically says to him, it's like, can I be reinstated to my rank as general? I'd like to go and live in Venezuela off a pension, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that's what happens. Oh, good. Yeah. So he goes back to live in uh, beautiful Venezuela uh, and uh, retires, basically, on his Venezuelan military pension. Good to see he got what was coming to him. Oh, for sure. What have we learned from this? Um, being a piece of shit pays. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> I, that's just so deflating, though, that he does this shit. He, he goes back to where he first grifted people and he gets off. And then he calls an old buddy is basically like... Hey, can you give me money for no reason while I stop doing things? And they're like, oh, sure. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of story that just makes you look at the ceiling and say, why am I bothering? He spends the rest of his life drinking rum on a beach in Venezuela. Well, I don't know if he was doing that specifically, but, you know, that's what I would be doing if I... But he could have. He could have. He absolutely could have. He's got his military pension. He's hanging out in Venezuela. If it was me, I would be sitting on the beach drinking rum and making sandcastles or something. 
when I was bored selling people land that didn't exist because apparently there's no repercussions for it. But guess not. No, and and there's other con artists throughout history too that some of the shit you hear about them doing, you're like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. There's one. Um, I put myself on the spot now. I don't know his name. Um, a, a guy that he sold the Eiffel Tower to somebody not once, but twice under the guise of like going to a bar and being like, Hey, so they're going to tear that thing down for scrap metal. And I don't, I don't know why I'm telling you this kind of look, look at me, but if you write me a check for it right now, then uh, you can have it. And he did it twice. (laughs) And you just look at this shit. Like how the fuck did you sell the Eiffel Tower twice? Well, how many times has the Brooklyn Bridge been sold? Yeah, it's unbelievable you look back at these things and just the psychology of it and how desperate for a break these people have to be in order to bite on this because you know out of, you said what, the first run there was probably somewhere in the realm of about a thousand people that went out the first time, give or take. Well, I mean, overall, like a thousand people up in yeah. the boats or whatever, like the, right. all on different boats, maybe like a hundred, 150 people per boat or something, we'll say. Right. But the whole run of people that bought in that first time somewhere in that ballpark. Yes, exactly. And, and you know that a, a lot of them are just genuine dipshits that they're like, you know, I'm going to be king, too. And that's all it takes for them. But. You know there were some people in there that, in their head, they were like, this doesn't fucking add up, and they did it anyway, just had desperation. Well, everyone wants, like, everyone wants it to be true, as much as they know it isn't, just like those Nigerian emails, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. in the back of your head, like, of course there's no princess from Zanzibar who's, like, looking to move money through me, but you want it to be true, Right? Of course you do, right? Someone wants to give me a million dollars? Okay, right? Of course you would want that to be true. Sure, and those are a whole different animal that, um, and this probably is not a secret to most people listening. I think we've all delved into it at some point out of curiosity, but the way they frame those is, for lack of a better term, they write like idiots because... Mm -hmm they're trying to weed out anybody with some common sense and not waste their time. They're trying to frame it in a way. If you respond to it, you're a moron. So they don't, or at the very least they know you're gullible. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, in a way, yeah, in a way you could say that this is the original version of that because here he comes. He's like, I'm the Kozik of Poyes. It's a country that was sold to me by the Native Americans, the Native Central Americans, uh, and I now own I now own eight million acres of uh, golden mountains and lush farmland. Like when you say it like that, it sounds pretty ridiculous, right? And it's not really that much different. But the formula is very similar. Absolutely. The formula is pretty similar, right? The Kazik of Poyes, like that sounds ridiculous. It should. <laughs> it should. If it doesn't, then I want you to email me 
bigbadnonsense at gmail.com because I've got a few acres I can sell you. Yeah, just send along your social security number, your <laughs> bank routing number, uh, picture your driver's license, and Listeners. I will give you $20. <laughs> Listeners, do not send us your personal information. Biscuit does not have $20. I'd be surprised if he has 20 yeah, cents to give true. you. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, you were never getting shit. <laughs> but do feel free, send us a message, keep the conversation going, send us a message, uh, Big Bad Nonsense on Twitter, at Big Bad Nonsense, uh, retweet us, or just tweet us saying that you're listening to the show, send us an email to at Big Bad Nonsense if you have any suggestions, or you'd just like to make a comment on the show, we're open to everything, please Listen to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. We're available on all three. Biscuit, do we have anything to plug? I don't have one right now, but I'll try to actually do my one obligation this fucking gig and put those links up on the Twitter as soon as this is up for you, because sometimes I do it and sometimes I don't. So Biscuit is basically plugging his inactivity on Twitter. (laughs) I just wanted to let all of you people out there looking for somebody to run your Twitter. I'll do okay. You do. You you do better than I ever would. Yeah. So, I mean, if that pitch doesn't bring you in, then – well, if it does, send me your social security and your bank routing number to Big Ben. Yeah, you probably should. Ladies and gentlemen, don't send any numbers of any kind to Biscuit. He doesn't even know how to count. Oh, you can send me 69 because that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's leave it at that. Thank you for listening. It's been great to know that you have been listening. I am Sock. This is Biscuit. And have a good day. Potato. <laughs>